0: Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states, at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, Doing the right thing and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhertz, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Financial Advisor's Edge podcast. I'm Greg Gonzalez. I'm here with Jeff and Jim. On this episode, we wanted to talk about the new client onboarding processes that we have. What do you do for your your brand new client in the first 180 days of your new relationship with this new client, right? You kind of want to set the stage for a good relationship. So that's what we're going to be talking about on today's episode. But I wanted to take a minute and remind listeners to check out our, our community. We have the Financial Advisors Edge podcast on Facebook. You can join our community. Uh, Jeff, how many um Jeff and Jim, do you know how many members we currently have?
2: I think uh, I think 60 or 70 at the time of this recording.
1: Awesome. Awesome. It's it's really grown really fast. Um you can also check out our website thefaedge.com, but uh, that's a private Facebook group that everybody is welcome to join because we're we're sharing our ideas and it, it's really a, a nice way for us to connect with our listeners. But on today's episode, we want to talk about the first 180 days of a client onboarding process, what it looks like, and kind of setting those expectations up front. So uh, Jeff, Jim, who wants to kind of start us off with that new client that says, hey, we love what we hear. We're looking forward to working with you. What are the next steps? Those are the magic words that we hear. What are the next steps? I just love hearing that.
2: Yeah, that that's uh that's that's what we live for in this business. That's that's the sweet song that knows that you're about to ask for their driver's licenses to make copies of them. So yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, you know, Greg, it's a it's a great question, and I think it's one that um I think it's one to frame first off why it's so important to do this the right way. And if you don't have a standard operating procedure an SOP, you know the next time you do this, just start to build one out, and then think about ways you can enhance it. But the reality is, is that when somebody takes that step to work with you, it's a life-changing decision for them. This is a massive decision. They have made a decision to entrust you with their financial future. So don't take uh, the responsibility lightly. Uh, So it's really important when that occurs to start to lay out uh, expectations. And we like to lay out expectations, what will happen over the first probably, probably month to start with. Because what we want to do is begin to get commitments from them. So, the first commitment we get in our office is we have them sign the fee agreement, the advisory agreement right when they say yes, because I've found that if you can get them to take these small steps, these small commitments, you actually get in this position where you, you can close business quicker, which is always good. It's always better to close it quicker as opposed to faster, uh, but you also uh, eliminate some of the fall off that happens. Because if you've been in this game long enough, th- there are people that change their mind. If you've never had anybody change their mind, you probably have five clients. And the reality is if you've got a couple hundred clients, somebody inevitably is going to change their mind mind. So you want to eliminate factors where they can. So the first thing we do, we, we get the commitment of signing the fee agreement. Then we begin the process of opening the accounts. Uh, and then once the, and we want to open, we want those people signing account documents same day, or uh, it's going to be uh, digitally sent to them that next day. And remember, like think about the last time you bought a car or um, you, you got your checking account or bank account opened at, at a local bank. Uh, the reality is you went into that bank and they set you there until you had that checking account opened. You didn't go home and wait for a week to get paperwork in the mail and all this other stuff. You like, they, they, they did that. And if you ever bought a car, I mean, you're giving up, I mean, you're giving up a day of your time. So having them sit there for an extra 20 or 30 minutes to get all the paperwork done, it's in your best interest and they expect it already. So why not just do it? After they've done that, we, we go through the process of, getting their accounts transferred. We definitely want to schedule 401k rollover calls. We want to schedule any of their activities. And then finally, we have what we call an implementation meeting. We let them know expressly what an implementation meeting is. It's a chance for us to finish building out your plan. We talk about the, their total wealth blueprint is what we call it at our office. But when they come in, we're going to finish their plan up. And then once the plan is created, then only then can we determine where to invest the dollars. So we're going to ACAT everything in kind and then make the investment decision once the assets land. And usually that's going to be two weeks later. But it's important uh, to set expectations so people really understand what's going to happen and when. Remember, those expectations that you don't set clients are going to fill it in mentally themselves and make those determinations with or without you. So it's better for you to set the expectation as opposed to the client trying to figure out. Uh, but Jeff, what what do you do in this situation?
3: Yeah, great points that you made and, and just a few things I would add. And I was going to suggest we do this sort of back and forth here in real time order to help everyone follow our, our processes and how they're the same or how they might be different. So just to add to what you had mentioned um, the the one thing I work really hard to do is be sure I have as much of the new account information I would need to have in advance as part of my initial conversations. And if you stop and think about it and walk through a new account form, what does it look like? Well, it's a it's a name um it's an address, it's uh net worth, it's income, um, it's investment experience and um, and it's investment objectives basically So, You should have most of those things through your initial conversations. Um, If you've been, of course, asking the right questions, you know their income and net worth. If you have, um, you should have asked them by this point or seen statements that would have their address on it. Um, You should have a general sense, of course, if it's going to be joint registration versus IRAs, you should have a sense of probably what their beneficiary situation is going to look like. So actually getting over the finish line really, uh, if done correctly in our experience, is only getting name, birthday, and maybe beneficiary name, I'm sorry, uh, birthday and social security number. Uh, And then also their beneficiary name, birthday, and social security number. So you really only need those few pieces of information to say, okay, now we're going to get the paperwork together, uh, and in our case, send it off for electronic signature. And- Uh, The other thing I would say is there's a tendency, especially as our industry has moved to the financial planning model, to focus on getting comprehensive planning done up front before somebody actually gets up and running with you. And I would argue that's often where you lose people and, and lose their interest. So I would say focus far more on getting them started and up and running versus getting to the finish line. Uh, And what I mean by that is what do we need to do to get account paperwork in place and transfer work and paperwork in place and rollover documents if needed or process in place, then we can come back and focus more on the financial planning elements. I like that. I like that. And,
1: And let's compare that to the... I guess the, um, the unseasoned advisor that thinks I need to give this person a fact sheet ahead of time. Like, like I just met with a prospect this past week and they had illustration, annuity illustration and fact sheets and all this stuff. Th- this advisor was coming from, I, I guess, a sales background where it's, it's product, product, product. It wasn't like any kind of planning process. Right. And, yeah. and, 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 yeah. and it seems it's terrible, like, right? Right. Right. But we we can't help but run into that. Um, but that was what that uh advisor's agenda was all along. And I think people people will still see through that, of course. Um, is let's talk about setting the expectations. So you're in that meeting and you're saying, okay, this is how the the paperwork. It's either either we're gonna have a paperwork party and you you know, we, we sign Jim, you sign that day, you know, the paperwork or Jim, you had, um, I'm sorry, Jeff had mentioned, you know, maybe you utilize DocuSign or some electronic version of e-signatures, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we do both. Um, really it's what we generally don't have the client sign the account openings in the office, but we will build the document in front of them and ask them to sign it. If we have time, I mean, we're not going to do this at like 5:30 five 30 at night, people want to get home and have dinner, but if if it's a pretty quick second appointment and they make their decision fairly quickly, yeah, we'll probably just build the um, we'll build the account documents there and then email it to them and have them kind of go through it uh, with them face to face. The other thing we do uh, that I think is important is remember that generally speaking, if it's a 401k rollover, it's not so competitive. But if you're moving the assets from another advisor, uh, it's really important to set the expectations of what that looks like because. Uh, they, they might they might come to their own decisions there. They might think that they need to let the advisor know, or they might really feel like they have to have a conversation. And if you've ever been in this situation where a prospect has called their old advisor or kind of went and went and felt like they needed to go meet with the old advisor before they left, you're going to lose a couple of those deals along the way, no matter how good you are. So we actually have a letter that's already pre uh, pre written. We we handwrite an envelope for them. We have a letter. uh, We print it up for them. They can sign it and we let them know they'll drop it in the mail. It's not a, we don't force them to do it. It's, it's up to them, but we let them know this is a nice way to kind of end the relationship because for a lot of people, there's a lot of emotions. Remember they're, they're leaving somebody they've been fairly comfortable with for a long period of time. They might like them, uh, but they might, they might know they need to make a change. And that's a, that's a tough situation for a lot of people. So you do this right in this first 180 days and you set yourself up for success in the future of the relationship, you screw this up though, you're going to have trust issues for the rest of your relationship. So it's, it's really important to make sure you do this as, as good as you can.
1: I like that, Jim. The the one thing, there was a, a line by uh, Dion Sanders. He's the head co- head football coach of Jackson state. And I wrote it down. It's on my desk. It says change makes some people uncomfortable." so we need to identify that that hey this is a change this is they're they're either they're changing an advisor they're changing the way their finances are managed their retirement they're they're actually getting you know maybe a retirement plan in line that's focused on their goals and their desires so this is a we have to address that hey this is a change that might make people uncomfortable because you know it's it's something that you know it's a shift it's a shift in the tides so, so how do we make this as easy and as seamless as possible? I think that
3: should be our goal. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Just something I think I'll add is uh, we want it to go quickly and we want it to go smoothly. And it's our responsibility to do everything within our control to make that happen. But it's also important that you communicate effectively with the client. And again, Jim mentioned, uh, I feel like five or six different a funny way. And what I mean by that is, as I often tell my children, I can predict the future and something is not going to go exactly the way we want it to go. It's going to get hung up somewhere along the process. And that said, there's a very good chance that whatever issue comes up, we've dealt with it before, and we're going to do whatever it takes to get us over the finish line. And if certainly we need to involve you in making that happen, we will. But again, most importantly is that we do all we can to get over the finish line as quickly as we can and deal with those things that are unexpected when they happen. It's a lot easier to set the expectation that something may not go well than it is to explain after the fact something caught you by surprise. So, again, within reason, set expectations appropriately um, and just get the client prepared for knowing things might get hung up. Somewhere along the way, as I think Jim mentioned, especially if there's a proprietary product or an insurance company involved, if it's not a clean ACAT transfer or a 401k rollover.
1: Yeah. And and Jeff, you had mentioned, of course, we don't want to keep people updated daily, right? It may be once a week or something like that. But let's talk next about, let's say, okay, the accounts have all transferred over. Maybe it was a rollover call that was completed. The money is now you know, with you and your firm. So, and we had talked about on a previous episode—I I forget which episode—but we like to kind of have a okay. Let's let's reconvene. Let's. This is our implementation meeting. I think is what Jim called it, uh, where you know the dust has settled, the money has all transferred over. We're talking about okay. We're we're putting the finishing touches on your retirement plan. Uh, do you also talk about um, you know, hey, getting your account uh, online account access all set up. Uh, you know, with with my broker dealer, we have a new app. So if people have questions about that and accessing their accounts through the app, we certainly can answer any questions. I'm sure they've been getting statements in the mail along the way. They can bring into this meeting. Generally, it's, you know, maybe a couple of weeks or a, a month after their agreement to start working with us. What's, what's the, the process look like for the two of you?
2: Yeah, you know for for us uh it's a, it's a great point. Um you, you've got to make sure as you're as you're going through the process that you let them know and then once the assets are there and you've executed upon the plan that you you've established with your client, then then you kind of lay out what what next steps are. Now it's important you're right Greg, they're going to be getting a ton of stuff from whether whether you're making uh Purchases and there's proxies, or you're buying an annuity, and there's contracts, or or it's just the custodian's 900 pages of CYA documentation, and it can be really overwhelming for people. So we ask them, we we let them know that hey, put all this stuff in a box, and uh, when you come in again, make sure you bring it, and I'll tell you what you need to keep, and we'll we'll shred what you don't need. So it's really important. Our our process is pretty simple. After we've done implementation, our our, our next call is a two month check in so we like to check in 2 months later and that at that check in that's a time for us to um to first off talk about their statements talk about all that paperwork usually one of my assistants makes that call and then after the 2 month check in we set them up on uh, our newsletter so they get a newsletter we make sure we send them an email just to ask how things are going all of this stuff is automated by the way this is not like uh, this is not stuff that we're having to reach out i mean we set up workflows up and task because if you're try if you're running a pretty high volume business and you're bringing in you know 5 or 6 clients a month or even 2 clients a month it's going to be hard to keep track of all of these these tasks that are floating around out there. So it's important to set that up, but we do a two month check-in and then we do a six month review and the six month review is an opportunity uh, to really, to really dive in. One of the things that we've just implemented, but we have not, we're not great about this yet, Greg. So I I don't want to, I don't want to overstate this, but it's important to let people know that you are open for business, that they're not the last client you want, because, I think we all know this. You've worked with a vendor or a contractor, went to a great restaurant a couple of times. And after that first great meal, that first great experience, you're much more apt to tell people about it and we want to make sure that when they're in that honeymoon stage that they're they're willing to tell their friends about us. And I don't want to do it in a sleazy way because we don't run out and say give us your top 10 names, but we want to make sure they they know that we're open for business. So that's that's the process we follow. I'd be I'd love to hear uh, Greg and Jeff what you guys do.
3: Yeah, just to speak about a couple things that you mentioned. So especially all the uh, disclosures and agreements that come out early, so one of the things so so number 1 we try to keep things manageable so that we're only feeding them one piece of direction at a time uh so as not to overwhelm the person cuz that's the the worst thing you want to do is just drive somebody nuts with way too much to deal with all at once and then they just freeze and they they can't handle it but kind of related is you want to catch them maybe before all the stuff starts showing up in their mailbox for account disclosures, agreements, uh, uh, prospectus mailings, and so on. So, so number one, as part of our new account document procedure, we get an authorization to send them documents electronically right up front. And your broker-dealer probably has a form, if you're with a broker-dealer, a form to allow you to do that. Uh, but secondly, then, once everything is in place and we have account numbers, uh, about four to five days later, I believe in our process, One of our support people is reaching out to get them set up in the online access. And in my particular case, my broker-dealer puts them on electronic delivery by default and then lets them opt into whatever they want to receive by paper. And most people choose to elect minimally, maybe quarterly or annual statements on paper. Um, And so getting to that reasonably early can be important so not to... Uh, flood their mailbox because then you just become a daily pain in their, you know what, uh, as they're walking through the process. Um, and then, you know, also sometime within the next four weeks, because depending on when in the month you're actually um, starting to work with them, you're going to have a month end statement. So then typically the day after that month end statement is going to be printed, which is easily schedulable because if it's September. Uh, mid-September, you know that next statement is going to be printed on the first business day in October, or you should know when your custodian or broker dealer prints their statements. If you don't already, um, then reach out to them either that day or the next day and say, we see your first statement has been printed either on paper or electronically. We're happy to go through it with you to be sure you're clear on what the statements show and what it means. And, you know, about half of the clients will take you up on that. The other half will just appreciate the connection that that you've made. So, um, those are some of those steps that we take beyond the initial stages, but in that first month, um, to again, give that person the best experience. And those are all just easy reasons to have a tangible connection point beyond just, Hey, just checking in. Um, but no, for no good reason, because that's kind of a waste of everybody's time as well.
1: I like that, Jeff. And one thing that you had mentioned was, you know, it, um, paperless the e-delivery you're seeing a shift with with all these different i'll just call them financial firms whether it's a bank or broker dealer they all want to save money save postage by going the e-delivery route uh, one thing that we do is we we ask people you know hey um you're you're going to be getting a monthly statement um do you want to uh get you know have this a paperless like emailed to you or are you one of those people that likes to have an actual, statement come in the mail. Typically, if it's an older person, I mean, if you're dealing with somebody and they're, uh, I'm just making a generalized statement here, seventies or eighties, they're probably going to want a a paper statement. That's what they're used to. If they, if they tell you they still get a newspaper delivered to their doorstep, (laughs) um, they're they're probably not going to want e-delivery, just kind of a word of caution. Uh, Jim, something you wanted to add.
2: You know, I was sitting here and I, I was thinking about, I don't know if it's the most important, but it's something that's really nice is, and I want to know if you guys do this as well, but we, we send out two. we do two kind of thank yous is along the way as well. So when somebody becomes a client, I send a, uh, a handwritten card that just says, you know, basically thanks for the opportunity to work with you. I look forward to helping you plan your dreams, that kind of thing. So we send a handwritten card and the whole team signs it, which is kind of nice. And we drop that in the mail. We also give them a welcome gift. And, um, our welcome gift is, I don't know if it's, I think a lot of people, industry people would probably say it's bad idea, but I, I, we get good response from it. I've sent consumables. So I sent like fudge and cookies and all kinds of things like that. And the the problem is nobody ever says thank you, which is not a problem by the way. I mean, they don't have to say thank you, but I I guess if it, if it wasn't a nice enough gift for you to say thank you, then it probably had no impact or at least a minimal impact, but now we send, um, we send, uh, a candle. I went out to Etsy and had this candle made out of like, you know, a wine glass that was cut in half. And on the front of it, we have our, uh, we have our, a, a quote by CS Lewis that says like, you're never too old to, to dream another dream. And then it says, uh, you know, candle produced exclusively for, uh, my firm's name. So we put the candle in this really nice box with, uh, two, I I know people yell at this part, but we have two branded coffee mugs uh, or not mugs, but like Yeti kind of like, uh, insulated coffee mugs that we, we include in there that are branded with our logo. And we put that in a really nice box and then I get that to them as well. So those are little things, but that, that stick people to you long-term and, and look, people, people are, when they're sitting at home on Sunday morning and they're drinking coffee and they're putting that into your mug, they're going to think about you. Uh, they're just going to think good thoughts about it because it's nice and it's nice quality, and uh, you know I think those are important things in, in your onboarding process. It's certainly certainly not make or break, but if people are not doing that, uh, think about it. And you don't have to spend a lot of money; it could just be the thank you card, which is you know is probably better received than the mugs, but it's it's still important to do something.
1: Yeah, uh, we we definitely do the the thank you cards as well, and with with small gifts, of course, you want to be all listeners you want to be cognizant of the gifting limits to, to clients and, and the dollar amounts depending on you know what channel or uh, you know where you're at um, but uh, the one thing I, I will mention is strate- when you strategically send any kind of thank you gift or thank you note if if you're sending it, knowing that okay we, we have a meeting in in two months or let's let's say three months, send it between that time like right in the middle, and, and I can almost promise you that they're gonna bring it up. Oh, hey, we got those nice mugs that Jim sent or the candle or whatever it is. and they'll they'll thank you for that. So it's just kind of a uh, like touching base uh with them, knowing that you're you're thinking of them. and it's almost like a point of contact. Jeff, something you wanted to add.
3: yeah, you know, uh, Jim makes a great point about thanking people. We do that as well, and uh, all of our. Uh, people, there are four of us in our office. We sign each of those letters because if if for whatever reason they haven't interacted with the members of the office, we want to at least be sure that they realize that there are the number of people that there are. Um, and it's again, at least a, a small reinforcement as to what the size of your personnel is or isn't well however you want to reflect that but the thing that hasn't been said yet that's important is be sure you are thanking the person that referred that client if they were referred um and it ought to be part of your new account opening process it, it should either be part of your first meeting process when you're first meeting with somebody you ought to be confirming if they were referred and thanking that person or if they are um uh, if if that's not happened to that point, Certainly when they become clients, you want to thank that person that referred them. Yeah. And
2: Jeff, that, that is so powerful what you said. And, you know, we used to just send a thank you, like a thank you, like gift. Uh, and we still do. We still send like branded okay. gifts and things like that. That make sense. Like custom steak knives that have their names on them and, you know, all, all of that stuff. But thanking thank you, like, phys- I think you almost physically need to pick up the phone. And thank that person, because when you do it and you're, you call them graciously, it's really well received. And chances are that's not the only person they referred. (laughs) They probably have other people. And then you can almost segue into asking for an introduction at that point. And, and the other point you made about introducing the team, I think that's the other side is if, if, look, if you're solo, so be it, you're not going to do this. But if you actually have a team. Incredibly important to introduce the other members of your team because you don't want this individual calling you uh for distributions and address changes and beneficiary updates. They you want them calling your 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 admin team and taking advantage of them. So it's important to it's important at some point during this process, and it's gonna differ for everybody based upon your SOPs and when you lay it out, but to layer in who's gonna help them, who's that point of contact, that VIP. We send uh videos. We found that I, I've recorded like the, a video, like a uh, interview video with both of my or uh, my at my operations team, where I'm just asking them questions, and we send that to them as an introduction, so they can see who they are and uh, connect with them, kind of on that personal level a little bit better. So, lots of ways to do it, but it's just important you do it. I think is the the whole point.
1: I love that. That's a great point, Jim. Is is and, and Jeff, you made yes. I'm if you're going to send a card, have all the team members sign the card. It 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 shows. That hey, you're you're not a solo act here. You're working as a team on this. And again, they can identify: oh, they're uh, Cindy signed the card or M- Michelle signed the card and Greg signed the card and Jeff and Jim and all of the all your team members. That's a fantastic idea. One thing that Jeff hit on, uh, yes, you will want to thank the person who referred this new client if they're a referral. One thing that I did recently is I had a review meeting with the person who referred. The person, um, the, and so I actually asked them, "Hey, do you know this new client that you referred? Thank. I want to thank you personally for referring them. There are people just like you that I, I told you people just like you that I work with. I do my best work with, and you referred your your best friends. And you know we're gonna. Um, and I, I do tell them, I address it. Hey, we, we are totally confidential here." So I will never talk about your fine I will never tell them anything about your finances, your situation, and vice versa. And and they said, "Oh, I know you, you won't." And I said, "Do you know this new client? Do you know her um her favorite restaurant?" And she said, "Uh yeah, actually I do." And I said, "Okay, well I have I have an idea." And she she let me know the restaurant. And so what I'm going to do is we're actually doing this this week sending a a uh, thank you note to this new client, you know, thanking them in writing, all signing it and saying, "Hey, um, you know, here is, uh, you know, the the referring client mentioned that you love this restaurant. I wanted to send you um, a gift card as a token of our appreciation for the confidence you've put in us, and I want you to thank the referring client by taking them to dinner on our behalf, you know, on, on us." And so I just think it's a so so my idea is those two couples are going to go out to dinner and they're going to say okay they know that the dinner was paid for by our company
3: so love that so just just something yeah and, and you know um, it's interesting I'm sure there's psychology somewhere on this but I think I've read it in a book but if I haven't it sounds good to say that that um, when somebody is in the process of making a buying decision and they are they are saying yes. In many ways, that's often when they're actually most likely to make another referral to somebody else. So um, it's because they have just said yes, so they darn well better be affirmed in their decision. Uh, if done appropriately, there's no harm in asking for them to uh, refer you to somebody else that they know and again not the corny who do you know or I'm going to make a list kind of thing but that is part of our initial thank you letter is uh, assuming they were referred we know you were referred and certainly we are happy to work with anybody that you might want to refer to us as well so be careful about being hokey or salesy but let them know that yeah we're taking you on as a new relationship and we're more than willing to take others on as well.
1: And I can't, now that I think about it, I can't tell you how many times it's like a chain effect. Client A refers client B, client B refers client C, client C refers client D. It, it has yeah. just happened like that. And I think if you do have a good onboarding process, whatever it looks like, and we've given you a lot of ideas here today, I, I think you can really get the referral chain going um, because people, you're turning these people into raving fans and, and, and that's what you're looking for, I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And remember, there, this is the honeymoon stage. This is where this is where the trust is is developed and built, and and it's important. Yeah, I think I think Jeff said it really well earlier. Uh, it's important to let people know that perfection is not the expectation; it's excellence. There's going to be bumps in the road along the way, but you're going to be there and handle them, and that's your job. But if you do this the right way, it will lead to more referrals. It's important that people look. Sometimes people know or don't know that you're open for business. They think that maybe you, you did a favor by taking them and you're not really prospecting you don't really have it. So it's okay to let people know like, Hey, we've got, you know, we have some capacity, you know, we're looking for clients. So if you know anybody, uh, happy to help them out if we can. And you don't have to be, you don't have to be, in their face, like asking for introductions, but just let them know. And the other, the other way to do it is, uh, I heard this from, I can't think of his name, but he's, uh, one of the, one of the first trust guys that does, uh, coaching first trust has a, a pretty cool coaching program for anybody who's interested. But, but, um, he talks about how you frame conversations with clients. So if like somebody calls and ask how you're doing, you know, the go-to for a lot of advisors is like, oh, I'm really busy today. And if you think about what that means uh, subconsciously to somebody like, oh, wow, is he too busy to look at my accounts? He's probably too busy for me to refer other people. And if you frame that conversation as not, are you busy today or how are you doing? Not saying I'm busy. You know what? Uh, I've had a great day. I've really helped. Uh, I've really helped. You know, a couple people plan for their retirement. And I get a huge kick out of that. How can I help you? I, I think that changes the, the the mindset of that person. Like, yeah, like he does have capacity. So I would just say, like, those frame frame those things a little better and make sure you have an SOP. Like, if you don't have this mapped out, map it out. Like, we've given you some great ideas. Jeff and Greg have some awesome things they do. Uh, I think we have some pretty good things. Takes take this stuff. Think about your process and be really deliberate about it. So you can map out uh how you want to execute on it. And if you do this the right way, it'll it'll help your business in a big way, I think.
1: Absolutely. This was a great conversation today, guys. Thanks for thanks for joining me. And listeners, we want to remind you to join our private Facebook group, the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast Facebook group. You can find us on our website, thefaedge.com. We'll see you next week for another episode of our podcast. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the show.